Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being invited to be part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray today that you would remove the veil that causes us to miss the significance of this amazing privilege that you have given to us, Father. Oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, welcome today to Community Church. If you're joining us online or you're here in the room, today's a, a pivotal day. We began our second service this morning, which was equally full as this one. We're very excited. You know, we're praying that as the lockdowns are lifted in the future, that we'll come away with two full morning services. I believe we are entering a time of hunger. I believe that when, see, when things are shaken, everything that can be shaken is shaken. And it, it, it speaks to the hearts of individuals. And it breaks the kind of delusion off, off of us, which is the notion of the permanence of things which are not permanent. And so we say, God, let those things be shaken that we might be fixed in our vision and our hope on that which endures forever, that which cannot be shaken. So I pray today, join us as we lean into God for a greater revelation of those things that endure. We bless you, Lord. We bless your name. So... You may have seen it in a movie. There's this technology, they called it a skyhook. It was for evacuating a person. They've got this harness on, and then they let go a mini hot air balloon, and it goes up, 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 up. And a plane can come by, catch that hot air balloon, and yank the person out of the, the dangerous situation they're in. And so as we've been singing the name of the Lord, what I saw was... People with the, this line getting played out, just like you, you, you slowly fill out a kite and it goes higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And I hear the sound of big engines coming in. So if you're in a place where you need God to release a miracle, you're in a place where you are stuck. You're in a place where you're surrounded and your enemies are near, where you're, you're in over your head and you've been crying out to God, let the line out a little further. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Declare it. Pray it. Release it. Release your worship. Let the line up a little higher because the sound of engines are inbound. The Lord is about to release miracles to get you out of some stuff. So lean in. Pay out that line. More line. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. I just want us to stand to our feet. I want us to raise our hands as a body. We've been singing and asking for miracles. Well, I'm telling you right now, there's a miracle that needs to come over our earth. We have people tuning in from Africa and around the world. Right now, I'm asking you to do the same thing, just to raise your hands right up. We are declaring and seeking a miracle for our land. It's not about my prayer. It's about our prayers. And as we come together as the body of Christ and declare healing on the land, 
declare a miracle on the land, declare restoration for the land, declare right now, Father God, that you would come and touch each nation, touch the nation of Canada, touch the United States, touch Africa, touch China, Father God, touch all of Asia, Father God, touch Colombia, touch Venezuela right now, Father God, touch each nation right now, Father God, touch the nations, heal the nations, declare that right now, heal the nations, heal the nations in Jesus' name, heal the nations in Jesus' name. It's when the body comes together, the healing will take place. Heal the nations, Lord. Heal the nations in Jesus' name. We declare it in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen, Amen, Lord. Pour it out. That is the cry of the body of Christ right now. Pour it out upon the church. Pour it out upon the lands. We believe it. We see it. I believe something has shifted today in the lands across the earth. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, if you think you heard it, you might be mistaken. You might just be mistaken because I was just warming up in the first service. In fact, if you're, uh, if you're at the first service and you liked what the Lord was saying, listen to the second service online because chances are I'll have a little more time and might be able to push that seed a little bit deeper. And uh, I want to just start right now by saying I, I, I have a vision, and I believe God has a vision, of sons. And uh, that's a gender-neutral term in that sense. It includes women, so... Uh, We understand that, right? Yeah. But God is looking for an offspring that will rule and reign with him. And uh, as I've been meditating on this word this morning, and as we've been worshiping, I am anticipating uh, a quality of faith that we've not yet ever seen on on the face of the earth. I am anticipating a quality of righteousness that we have never known possible. And I am believing for God to wipe out the enemy of righteousness, which is not sin. The enemy of righteousness is another righteousness, anti-righteousness. The enemy of Christ, the opposite of Christ, is the Antichrist. And the opposite of righteousness is not sin. It's another kind of righteousness. And uh, when in these two kingdoms, what empowers the kingdom of darkness is not sin. Sin is the fruit of another form of righteousness. Sin is the outcome. You see, righteousness is the fruit of of faith, the fruit of the outcome of the work of God is righteous living. But it's an outcome. It's not something you go and do. Well, actually, you need to try to go and do it, but that's for another sermon for other reasons, not for the reasons you think. In fact, uh, but, but let, me, let me just say this again. There is, uh, there is this thing in our lives where when you become a Christian, you focus on trying to be good. And, uh, and that's an appropriate effort, but it's not so that you can be good. It's so that you can discover you are not good. 
It's so that you can extinguish this, this, uh, this fountain of confidence inside of you that if you just tried a little harder, if you just had the right motivation, if you just had the right person around you, you know, young men think, well, you know, I can't really serve God, but if I had a really pretty girlfriend, all right, you know, that this idea that these motivators, these little helps are somehow going to be a, a, a you know, a kinetic start. It's going to be a catharsis. It's going to be a, a, a you know, an incendiary force that all of a sudden will propel you to exercise your will more more efficiently. That's not righteousness. That's going to result in anti-righteousness. And this is what we don't understand. That in this journey, what we're, what we're fighting against, and we spend all of our time trying to manage sin, trying to stop sinning, trying to stop feel bad about sinning, and that's not even the issue. The issue is the confidence that you have that you being good is enough righteousness to please God. And so, really, what we have is an idolatry in, right in the center of Christianity that's purporting to be faith, but it's not faith. And God is trying to root it out. And I'm envisioning a generation of people who are, who are so desperate for life, so void of any righteousness. You wonder why it's, it's the ones who've never known God that when God touches them, they make some of the most successful, zealous believers. Do you know why? It's because they are drinking from the fountain of grace more deeply than those who are empowered in their moral systems to be good. You know, it's the drinking of the fountain of grace that makes the difference. It's, and that fountain of grace, uh, I'm going to talk about it, is Jesus himself. It is the manifestation. It is the knowledge of him. So, Father, I pray right today, even as Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he looked at the people who seemed to have to be the most intelligent, the most successful, the most able to harness their will and impose upon them, themselves the most arduous of, of religious forms. And they were heralded for by this in their community. And Jesus came and said to them, You are perverse and decrepit to your core, full of dead men's bones and death. There is nothing good about this, nothing about about this that God likes, nothing about this that God enjoys, nothing about this that pleases God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not pull up your socks, you can do better if you try harder. It is a transformation by revelation. It is a transformation that when you are desperate and hungry enough, when you are tired of drinking out of this fountain that always brings a lesser version, then something in you begins to cry out and thirst for righteousness. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness is what you get. God, we pray in Jesus' name. For a revelation of righteousness. So on Thursday night during the prayer, we moved into this, uh, this vein of leaning into righteousness. God just highlighted it. And about halfway through the evening, I just began to get this tremendous clarity, uh, this tremendous sense of the, the, uh, 
the fallenness of human righteousness, how literally despicable, absolutely uh, anathema to God human righteousness is. It is literally a stench. And Paul, when he's talking about it, you know, in a, in a very graphic manner, when the, when the prophet Isaiah is talking about it in a graphic manner, he says it's, it's, like, it's like the menstrual cloths of a woman. That's, that's what it is. Your own righteousness is, the, is, is what you use in the bathroom to clean yourself up. That's, that's the difference between your righteousness and my righteousness. And this is the thing that God is trying to do. He said, I'm trying to be holy in your eyes. I'm trying to separate myself from your version of righteousness. But right now you believe and you still think that, that it's, I'm only a, a hair removed from your best version of yourself. I'm not a hair removed from the best version of yourself. I'm infinitely greater. I am under other than anything you can think, anything you can imagine, anything you can hope to be. I am infinitely greater. And so he's trying to put to death this. He's trying to put to death your confidence that you in your strength can do anything. I remember as a young Christian struggling when Jesus said, you know, without me you can do nothing. And I accepted that because Jesus said it, but, you know, nothing means nothing significant. But we can do some things of value. And, you know, he just, he just kept, started crossing off my list. I had an internal list. And he said, no, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this. And everything I thought I could do that, that you know, he would give the nod to, he would cross it off. He said, no, that's not the version I want. You, 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 the, your problem is you think that's the version I want. But every good gift comes from me. Only the righteousness that is crafted from uh, the, the outcome of me manifesting myself in your life is any good. So, so the gospel is meant to lay the ax to the root of the confidence that the Pharisees had. And that's what the apostle, uh, not the apostle, the prophet John was talking about and what Jesus followed up with. He said the, the ax is now laid to the root. And the root is the source of your strength, the source of your righteousness. You know, when man, Adam and Eve fell, uh, they fell because of there were two trees. And God said, you can eat out of this one, and you can eat out of all of these, in fact. But this one, you're not going to eat out of it. And it was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know what the knowledge of good and evil is? Another word for it is law. The law, the law gives you a definition of good and evil without the benefit of the revelation of God. It gives you an idea of good and evil, but it has no, no absolute measure from which it's derived. And so what happens is your version of good and evil and your version of good and evil and my version of good and evil and, and the guy down the street's version of good and evil, they're all different. But we're equally convinced that ours has better value than the other person's. And Jesus said, listen, the kingdom is I'm going to unite you all into one knowledge of the righteousness of God. And it's going to exclude all of your little social systems. 
I'm going to eviscerate, destroy. My aim is to come into your life and remove every confidence in you that your little law system, this division that you have between good and evil that puts you at enmity with your brother, that I'm going to break that because it's rooted in you, your own glory, your own pompous confidence that you can do something that matches what God in his precious gift of the blood of Jesus has provided. You think, what? No, I would never do that. No, the blood of Jesus is everything. No, when you raise up, when you come to church, when you present to God a confidence, well, you know, I didn't do this this week, therefore God is is happier with me, you are offering God the equivalent of what Cain offered God, the works of your own hands, and he refuses that offering. He'll always refuse it. But I, I really value this, Lord. That's good. You go ahead and value that but you'll value it all the way to hell. You'll value it all the way to perdition, to destruction. Amen. Amen. That's true. That's the gospel. Well, that's a little harsh, Pastor Mark. Yeah, it is. (laughs) If you've ever seen the the alien movie, you've you've been planted with an alien beast inside of you and extricating that thing without destroying your whole body is a chore. (laughs) only the glory of god can do that but listen to this this is so paul paul is writing and he's dealing largely with people who are jewish and so he makes reference over and over to their confidence in the law so in galatians it's all about you know you started in the spirit you started in grace you started in faith but now you believe you're being perfected by the law and you might be thinking, well, you know, I don't, I don't have the law. I'm not an Old Testament Jewish Christian. I, I, I don't go by law. I go by grace. No, you, that's not true. Because sin is, is, is the manifestation of a system of law that's rooted in your nature. It's, it's rooted inside you. This was what Paul said. He said, I find a law at work in my members against the law of my mind or against the revelation that I have. The understanding I have, on the one hand, uh, is trying to you know, lean on God, but I find this other confidence. I find this other thing inside of me that keeps going back to this default, the, this default system of righteousness. Well, the Jews had that too, except theirs was even more real. You know, it was itemized to the nth degree. Now, yours might not be written down like that, but it's just as substantial. It's just as real in terms of how it defines your confidence. So this is what he says about them. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel, that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Let me just pause for a second. Knowledge, that word is uh, uh, epinosis, and it, is, it has to do with kind of a refined knowledge, a discovered knowledge. Gnosis is the basic word for knowledge, but this one here is used so that, for example, when Paul is talking about being um, asking for the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of God, he uses that word. And uh, he's meaning to use it in a particular way. He's meaning to use it in this way. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So knowledge that comes down by revelation to your spirit is a different kind of knowledge than, than that which you get from observing the world around you and discovering what works and how to get ahead. 
There's a knowledge there, but it's not the same kind of knowledge. So he's saying, listen, they have this zeal that's based, but not on revelation, not on revelation knowledge. It's based on something else. So he, he exploits it a little more or defines it a little more here in the next verse. He says, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So there is this ignorance. I, I don't see how, how your righteousness, God, is any better than mine. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine saying that to God? The audacity, right? Wow. You, what if that's what we're doing? What if that's really what we're doing? No, 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 I'm a Christian. I walk by grace. Well, hold on. You don't know your heart. You don't know your heart. You don't know what, what the intent of your heart really is. The heart is desperately wicked. It has a bent. It has an orientation. It has a premise from which it operates, and it's all corrupt. I know that hurts some people, but it's a good hurt. It's a hurt unto a death that you want to have. He goes on, he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Let me just pause right there. So this is the deal. There is a code that the Jews had that was the way that they derived a sense of value, a sense of righteousness, a sense of worth. In their culture, it was contained in the Old Testament law. All of these do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. So he's saying, when he's talking about the law, he's talking about that. But when he's talking to the Gentiles about the same thing, he's not talking about the Jewish law. He's talking about your personal code, your personal morality, your personal thing that was defined by your culture, defined by your experiences, defined by the values of your family that says this is the most important thing. And I've referenced this before, but you, you go to Sicily, you go to mob families, or you see a movie about this, and these people, okay, they have, they have a code, they have a system, but it does not create righteousness. But they live by it. And they, 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 they think this is what makes you good. Yes, I kill people, I murder people, I torture people, but I'm good to my children. Right? You think, well... That, that is not going to suffice the justice of God at the end of days. Well, let me tell you this, and this is the message of, of Jesus to, to, to the Pharisees and the religious system. Neither will your code suffice and satisfy the demands of justice. The demands of eternal justice, he's saying to the religious people, cannot be satisfied by you fulfilling your version of a code and your bad interpretation of what he said because you're getting it wrong from the start. Equally, he says to us, there is a code inside of you. There is a system inside of you, and it steals from you, makes you a victim, manifests pride and sin and self-righteousness, and the worst of these is not the sin. Did you know that? The worst of these is not the things you know are wrong. The worst of these is the things you think are right but are wrong. 
That's what the knowledge of good, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We, we, we know the knowledge of evil. We don't want to do these things. We've categorized them as evil. So the, we have this knowledge of evil. We're avoiding these. But he said, no, out of this tree of law comes the knowledge of good. But it's not a knowledge by revelation. It's something you develop because of who you are, not because of who he is. And that's, that's why it's cursed right from the start. Cursed is he that makes flesh his confidence, that leans on men, leans on the arm of flesh. Cursed is he. Uh, you see, what's going to come out of this, and this is what I'm so excited about, is a gospel a gospel that's going to touch people who have been eviscerated, who have been demolished, whose minds are warped and broken, whose, whose emotions are, 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 are dependent and weak and, and just drive, drive them constantly. It's going, to, it's going to invade and press past all of those systems and impart a righteousness that's from God. And it's not because anybody's pulling up their socks and doing their fair share. And, and again, all of those things have a place in a social order. But they're not the same and not to be confused with the knowledge of God that imparts a piece of God's very essence to us. Hallelujah. So earlier this morning when I was talking about this, I, uh, I was remembering... The promise, even when God gave Israel the law, he said, I'm going to give you another covenant because this one is not the full version. This one actually is a shadow. This one is a shadow, and you're not going to understand it. You're going to misuse it and all that. He knew that. He knew that was coming. He said, but I'm going to bring another one, and I'm going to write my law on your heart. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to take of myself and put it inside of you, not so that you're, you're still fighting to not do what you want to do, but till you get to the point where you do what you want to do and you fulfill my requirement because what you want to do has been formed by me. You see, the na- Jesus, it says in, in the Psalms, it says he, because he loved righteousness, God set his favor on him. Because he loved righteousness, that's where favor from God comes, because you love righteousness, not because you resentfully and, and reluctantly do what's right. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever felt proud about doing something right? And like, man, I really didn't want to give my last five bucks to that guy, but I knew God was watching, so I did it. You feel really proud about that? Well, don't. <laughs> don't. Well, is it, is it of no value at all? It's a demonstration that you want the right thing, but it's nowhere close to the right thing. It's an important medium step. You laying down your life, but that's the, what, what you want is resurrection after you lay down your life. That's, that's the final phase of this. Let me tell you, there's something so miraculous about the revelation of Jesus Christ that can change everything about you, everything about us, everything about how we worship, how we love our kids, how we look at our neighbors, how we, how we interact with the unsaved. And it's so above everything else that everything that you can think, everything you can make yourself do, everything you can imagine, it's so much better. This 
is. This is the new covenant where God overrides the DNA of your fallenness and gives you a different nature. Not something you're always fighting against. Not, not some dog you're trying to keep in a corner and hoping nobody sees. <laughs> you know, when did that become Christianity? Well, I got my dogs under control. God wants to kill your dogs. God. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, we love our Wilson. That's our dog. Now, let me, let me turn to Philippians because Paul's talking about this. Oh, he's, Paul had such an amazing revelation of the internal working of how righteousness grows in a person and what it's supposed to produce. And uh, I have a vision, and I pray that God is implanting you with this vision with a quality of Christian like the earth has never seen, Gr- greater, better than, than anything, you, better than your best efforts. Oh, my goodness, God, give us an insight, I pray. But he writes, and he starts in verse 2 of chapter 3, and I'll, I'll skip some of it, but he says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Now, to be clear, the people he's talking about are simply this. They're not, they're not necessarily wicked people. They're people who think they can do good. Anybody here think they can do good? Well, don't answer that. Because, you know, when you hear a message like this, you, you know the right answer. Nope. <laughs> but but there is a, there's an invisible confidence in our strength. We don't know we ha- what we have. And that's why you think, well, why, why is my life taking this course? Why are things so hard? Why, why have I been diminished in this way so much? Just so you can see that there is no value in where you place your confidence. I'm eroding your sense of the, the, the thing that competes with my glory inside of you, which is your glory, your righteousness. I'm trying to kill, destroy that thing. But you are stubbornly connected to it. But Paul says, listen, these guys that come with this code and say, you know, yeah, faith is good, but you need to add to that, you know, some good works to bolster your image. You know, whatever their motivation, whatever they put it, but it was basically say, no, the law... Is, is, is a means through which we also manifest righteousness. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not just a theological error. That's not just a misplaced uh, optimism. That is, let me see, what were the words? Beware of dogs. That is dog-like. That is deathly, earthly, wicked, demonic. Beware of evil workers. What? Evil workers, see, we, we don't get that. Because we, we, we've always seen the Pharisees and the religious leaders from the, from the vantage point of Jesus. But we've never really seen them from the vantage point of a, of a cultural religious system of righteousness that people are convinced is the epitome of what God is meaning to bring to the earth. These guys were the heroes of the Judaistic faith. They were the champions of Judaism. And Jesus comes and says to them, no, what you got is false. What you got is empty. What you got is void of love. It's void of any of God. There's absolutely no redeeming qualities in this kind of righteousness. Nothing, no, not, 
nothing at all. There's nothing good about it. Don't keep it. Don't put it on your mantle. Don't put it around your neck as a trophy. Don't do it. And this is what Paul finally came to. He said, listen, I used to value this thing. Now I consider it as nothing because I've seen the righteousness of God. And that's what he says as he, he goes forward. He says, so beware of these guys. And he defines what we should be. He says, for we are the circumcision of God who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence in the flesh. Let, let me pause there for a second. In the next few verses, the next three verses, Paul talks about his version of confidence in the flesh. and It had to do with who he was as a Hebrew, what day he was born, how his life lined up with the code that, that everybody lived up to that conveyed that they were good, that they were interested in God. Well, you don't have that code, but you have a different code. My question is this, is how free from your code are you? What is it that you do that makes you feel like you deserve more favor from God than the next guy? What is it that you think, you know, oh, man, whoa, I'm feeling it. We... The, one of the big problems around the church right now is we, we have been changed a little bit, but we still hold this kind of internal code that puts us somewhere on the pecking order or, or the social order or the authority order of the kingdom of God, and we're resentful about where we are because we think we should be higher, and we're sure God's made a mistake, and it's probably because there are certain pretenders around us who are pretending better than we are, and God somehow didn't see that. And so therefore we're thinking, well, no, there's no way this guy could have this significance. Why is this guy so anointed when I'm much better human being? I mean, secretly, that's what happens. When we are different, we believe that our version of being, being a Christian is better than the next. And when we resent somebody else's promotion, it's because we resent God's system of promotion. Why? Because that thing inside of you, that code, that, that system of righteousness, it's not just another alternate idea. It is something that is diametrically opposed to the knowledge of God and needs to be brought into captivity. This is why even now when I'm preaching, I'm not mad at you, but there is a vehemence that, that the gospel is exerting against the fallen nature, but particularly the righteous side of that tree of the knowledge of good. The system, the code that says you're better. And we find all kinds of ways to feed into that code that makes us smelling like daisies. Oh, try not to catch anybody's eye. <laughs> Talk about you, Chris. Father, Father, I'm not done, but let's just, let's just pull up God. You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and his righteousness, the platform, the foundation of the kingdom of heaven, us being able to move in power and glory begins with the righteousness of God deeply at work inside of us. A system of good and evil that's not based on human effort. It's not based on the knowledge of me. It's not based on what I know about my strengths, my gifts, my talents, what I know about my limited weaknesses or my limits or my weaknesses. It's based on the revelation of God. There are two trees. One is the knowledge of you, and the other one is the knowledge of him. And as we get to know ourselves, we perfect our behaviors, and we take pride in them. And God is saying, listen, if you would get to know me, if you would cry out to me for a revelation, if you would leave that tree, entirely leave that tree in hunger and thirst for righteousness, I will come and reveal myself, and I will create in you a pillar of righteousness that is is formed by unapproachable light that is formed by an impermeable fabric of power that cannot be taken down, cannot be removed, cannot be penetrated, is not on one moment and off the next, doesn't depend on your emotions, doesn't depend on that time of month, doesn't depend on whether you're sick or you're not sick. It is who you have become because you have seen me. We want to be like him, and our whole journey is not being better. Our whole journey is wanting to see him, because when we see him as he is, then we are changed. Well, but, but my code says if I just do this a little better. See, and, and so the process what many of us are in is that God is showing us how reliant we are on our code. One of the ways he does that is by bringing you together with other Christians who don't have the same code. And of course, enmity and hostility rises up because your code is better than your code. And the people that respond to your code and, and hold on to their code, that's the evidence itself that they have a code that they live by rather than the knowledge of him. That's another sermon. I've preached it many times here. So he, he gives, said, listen, this is, this is, I used to have an image of myself. I used to have a system of favor that, that gave me a sense of entitlement, uh, you know, that told me what I was deserving of, that gave me an ability to come before God and make requests. With, you know, I, I, got, I derived a boldness from my code that enabled me to come to God and say, hey, can you give me this, and reasonably expect that I would get that because I lived up to my code. See, the alternate is... A new and living way. Boldness by the blood of Jesus. Boldness by the righteousness that only came from the one who shed his blood. That, that, uh, that, see, when you, when you depend on that, it's because you have no other. The nature of a default is if you have any residual code confidence, CC, if you have any code confidence inside of you, you will use that up first. You will lean on that first. That's just the way we are. And that's why any amount of that diminishes us in the kingdom. Let me, let me read on. So he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. See, 
You see what he's doing? He's saying, listen, on one side I had this code, and this code was being a Hebrew was important. Circumcised the eighth day was important. Being a, a disciple of Gamaliel and a Pharisee after this order, that was, a, that was an important thing in the code. And each one of these was, gave me status and significance in the eyes of men. But he said, I'm now a part of another system. This other system also has a hierarchy. It also has an, a way to give you favor. But it's not based on what you do. It's based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. The excellence of the knowledge of Jesus is, is the means through which this system is, a, is, a, is a, a, a eliminated from your life. This system needs to go, and only this unapproachable light that is the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ can destroy that. Furthermore, you're somewhere here, and you don't even know which is which, especially at the beginning. You have no idea because you've been so surrounded by a mindset of what good and evil is. That's why you feel so guilty as a young Christian. That's why if you feel shame today as a believer, the only reason you feel shame is because you're not living in grace. Ah. Then you got the, the other false alternative. Well, I'll just sin whatever and convince myself that I'm okay. No. That's another sermon. There is undiscovered Amounts of glory, resident in God, <laughs> praise God, resident in God and available to us. This is Paul's desire, he says, I, I, I count these things as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which as a Jew is from the law, but as a Gentile, it's from your other law, the law of your upbringing, the upbringing, the law of your moral system, the law of your culture. Well, you know what? The worst thing possible is you miss Sunday dinner in our family. You know, what, what is the law? This is, this is what gives you favor. This is what shows that you love the family and you're, you're considerate. These things. God is saying, listen, don't you dare come into my presence handed me one of those. I will no more accept that than I will accept Cain's sacrifice. But my church comes to me week in, week out, not offering me a confidence that's rooted in the blood of Jesus, not offering me a confidence that comes out of the knowledge of actual righteousness, but a confidence that comes from they've fulfilled some of the most significant aspects of their code this week. And it has given them just enough boldness to come to church and to lift their hands and to say, Lord, I want dot, 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 fill in the blanks. Can you see how we have a problem? What do we need? A revelation of him. A revelation of him. And you've heard the story. I won't read anymore. You could read more. There's more in there. There's, there, there's so many, so many powerful words that he uses after this, but in my first year of, of uh, college, the Lord visited me at 
Christ of the nations in Dallas, Texas, with his glory, with his righteousness. You know, this is the thing. I had no clue. I didn't understand the theology. But I was, I was desperate for more of God because I didn't believe I could be anything. And I'd come to that point, and yet, yet I was trying to do my best, and I didn't realize how much of my best was coming out of this code. And he came and visited me. Unapproachable light is a burning, consuming fire. But more than that, as high as the heavens from the earth, his ways are higher. Until you see him, you think your little behavioral modifications have value. You think that little bit of restraint that you gave to a murdering, jealous spirit that is just underneath the surface of your light, that little bit of restraint, you think, yeah, you're just lucky I didn't give you a piece of my mind. You think that restraint is righteousness. You have no idea. You have no idea. Listen, I'm not saying this to demean or diminish anybody. I'm saying it so that we can cross over. We are leaving a system and we are crossing over. But many of us stand in the middle, stand in the wasteland between two systems. And I talked about this last week or the week before, neither cold nor hot. And, he, we're, and he's saying, listen, cross over. I'm looking for a piece, people to cross over. I am going to clothe the people in these days. And you, you, can, you can mark this down. This is a prophetic word from the Lord. I am going to clothe in these last days a people with the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not just uh, theology and instruments of information that is religious uh, or biblical. It is is a manifestation of the righteousness of God and God alone. God, I see firebrands running, moving, talking, witnessing, sharing. God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, as we sit down with our neighbors, as we meet coworkers, that nothing, nothing of our confidence will point back to any of the things that we've done. When that is the case, the message of the grace of God will stand preeminent. Father, I pray, I pray, if you're thinking, well, how do I apply this? Forget about it. This is not about applying. This is about absorbing the uncomfortable truth that nothing in me, nothing in me, nothing in me, Paul said, there's something in me that is hostile to God. What we need comes from above. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will not be able to escape this message. Lord, this glowing ember of the gospel of Christ that is coming closer and closer to the earth. And as it gets closer, it gets clearer. It will transform a generation like no other generation has ever been transformed. And God, we want to be a part of that. Uh, thank you, Lord. Worship team, why don't you come back? You know, I said earlier that one of the things that God did in my life is he just, he just started crossing off all the lines of my code. All the things that I 
Because I, I didn't know how to make it out. I did not know how to, how to, how to apply it to my life. I thought, what does this mean? Do I, do I not try at all? No, you need to try, but only to discover that it's not in you. And the reason you need to try is because you believe that if you try harder, it works. So try harder and still discover it doesn't work. And that any version of righteousness that comes out of you is still anathema to me. Thank you, Lord. The chief sin in the Old Testament is the same as the chief sin of the New Testament. It is idolatry. It is a, a crafting of something that we worship that represents our glory, our strength, our abilities. This false system of righteousness that is not Christ is what we bow down to and we don't even know we do it. So we're asking God, free me. God, free me. Just begin to ask him, God, free me. And if your mind is spinning, if you're, if you're imploding because you don't know how this works or how it applies or what the inferences are on your present service or your past service, I'm telling you, our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope. Jesus. Let's stand together. Let's sing something that exalts Jesus and, and leans into him. Let's ask God to seal this word. There's a revelation here today you don't want to lose. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Now, as we're closing today, I want to tell you what the journey is looking like for me right now. Is this growing sense of what is the righteousness, the deeds that are born of God and the deeds that are born of my own ego, my own need to look good. And God has put me on a very short leash and I can tell you that daily, sometimes minute by minute, I see again and again and again things I say, things I do that come out of that desire to look good, to appear, to glean glory, to, to emulate the righteousness of God. But I know it's born of an ambition. That clarity so that it applies to you minute by minute by minute by minute. Oh, there is a dividend that will pay handsomely if you allow this process to continue to separate between soul and spirit in your life. It will bring something unimaginable. And I say, I hate the idea that any single one of us present in this room present today in the, in, the, in the church that you would miss any of that. And Lord, we invite, we invite, Lord, your dissection today. We invite that you would destroy our code as you did, Paul, as you are doing 
Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. What he's looking for today is your assent, your desire. Say, God, if this is true, I, I want this. Lord, could you show me? Could you show me this week? Could you show me if my confidence is really not on you? If you can you show me if I'm holding up repugnable things before your face? God, if I am using my works to obtain favor, God, show me today. I don't want to go another second. I don't want to go another day with false righteousness. God, show us. That's our only hope. So we're going to close. God is good. Amen? All right.